Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast, brought to you by Blue Box Partners, the only show dedicated to small business residential surveyors and valuers, created by surveyors for surveyors. In every episode, you'll learn something new about the vibrant and thriving industry of residential surveying. We don't mind what flavor of surveyor you are or what level of experience you might have. If you're in the business of helping people with their homes, this is the community for you. Welcome to the podcast, Michael Holden. It's brilliant to have you on here. And I'm glad we got to to have this session because I know it's been a really busy time for you uh, of late. So thanks for squeezing me in. I'm for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So, so for those who have no idea who you are, which I'd be a bit surprised in our world because you're quite a, a popular, prominent figure, introduce yourself to the listeners. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, qualified in 1990, uh, went to the Polytechnic of Wales, and uh, you know got some very good friends uh, from there uh, since that time. Uh, graduated in '87. And then I got my RICS, uh, ARICS in 1990. And I also got the ISVA, which was the, what was it, the Incorporated Society of Values and Auctioneers, yeah, yeah. Uh, the year before. And then IRRV, you know, at a similar time. And I went to work with my dad. And, well, it was really my brother then because my dad was poorly. And um, I'm still so, so proud to say he's still with us. He's outlived his surgeon, apparently. So, uh uh, yeah, so I went to work with my brother Mark, you know, here in the little uh, town that I'm speaking to you from now, Oswald Twizzle. It's all right, uh, God follows that. But Peter Slater, uh, Charter Surveyors on uh, 351 Union Road, Oswald Twizzle, and um, I spent a couple of years with Mark. Then, because I was sort of young and, you know, wanted to uh, do my own thing, I actually helped set up a solicitor's property centre, you know, the one stop shop. Collier and Graham, and uh, the fellow who, uh, John Collier, who uh, ran that was a bit of a character. So I had a touch of a, uh, uh, perhaps a disagreement uh, with him and decided to move on. And I worked for Hambro's Bank after that in Fountain Street in uh, Manchester. Um, I had my first proper boss. I mean, Mark was my boss, but he's my brother. You know what I mean? So we was fighting all the time. <laughs> Typical family things, you know. But uh, Tony Greenham, you know, was my first proper boss, and he, he was a partner in Bridgefords, and they were bought out by Hambro's Bank, and then it became Countrywide Commercial. And then I think it then morphed a few years after that into the residential side. Wow, what a fantastic fellow he was. Really, you know, I've still got, you know, if I bump into him, I've still got loads of time for him. He was uh, my first boss. and um, So I spent uh, three years there. Then I went to work for another fantastic boss, a guy called Eddie Turner who was the uh, director of uh, Land and Property at Manchester City Council. And this was the time, Marion, when there was a first like experience of a recession. It was a bit like a, I don't know, like a blanket, uh, like a wet blanket descended in the late uh, 1980s. And it prevailed into the 1990s. And, uh, you know, at that time, I thought, you know, we were, cl- I was asked to close down our offices, you know, commercial offices like at Point and places like that. And I thought, well, the writing's on the wall and, um, in fairness, uh, uh, David Shortland, who was the regional director or the, the the big director at the time, there, you know, said, uh, you know, why don't you come down with a guy called David Wood, who's the accountant, down to Essex, to Brentwood in Essex. Well, I just didn't want to do it because uh, Eddie had come along, the eldest lad. He's thirty-one years ago. <laughs> it's frightening, you know. And uh, I decided to stay uh, up in the northwest. I joined uh, Manchester City Council and. Uh, 
I had a fantastic time. Used to go play golf on a Wednesday afternoon. I spent the entire black cab annual budget because I, I used to go around on a, a BMW motorbike. Uh, it was a brown one, and Lizzie, my wife, used to call it the flying SH1T. You know, it was like a big, ugly BMW motorbike, you know, a proper German, you know, uh, machine and stuff like that. And anyhow, uh, you know, I was grossly offended. Uh, I think that's probably what started me up being a trade unionist. You know, I've been paying 14.9p a mile for that. I'm having that. It's a 1,000cc motorbike. You know, guys with a 1,000cc cars are getting 54p a mile. I thought, I'm not having this off. I, I protested. You know, so they said, well, just use black cabs because the, the rate for black cabs is something like 42p. If they go sit in, I started to, you can imagine, some sets of ladders in a black cab going around Manchester, you know, to the other really upsetting, uh, I really upset my line manager because I was called and it was like, you know, uh, you've got to go and see the boss and, uh, you know, your line manager. And I'd never heard of line managers before. I thought it was something to do with like railways and, you know, stuff like that. So I went in to see him and said, <laughs> uh, you've, uh, you know, pointing his finger, that's, you know, critical parent now, isn't it? Because I've been to all these courses. You know, you've, you've spent the, uh, you know, presented me with the evidence, you know, there's the evidence, you know, it's uh, uh, turned out that, and Eddie yeah, comes into the room, Eddie attorney was the, like the, the, the big boss. And, um, you know, I started arguing the point. I said, well, you know, with respect, you're saving 15p a mile, 14.9p a mile by me using black caps. Why don't you just sort yourself out? So, and you could see there was a smile started on Eddie's face. So, and then he put me into property review with some fantastic uh, lads. I really enjoyed uh, working in that. So we looked at development sites and I did all the 1990 appeals for the city council for rating, 34.9 million pounds. Uh, revenue savings, you know, stuff like that was proper, you know, uh, proper work. And I, don't get me wrong, I wasn't a rating expert, but, you know, in my little pea brain, you know, I thought, well, we'll just get a rating symposium together and get all the people who knew what they were talking about in there. So, yeah, that's very good. Is that? I agree with you, you know, and all this type of thing. So there was guys like David Rose, who was, you know, very well known for, uh, you know, rating appeal work. So real, really top-notch rating their surveyors. I, I, I'm proud the fact that I had a big reduction in the public toilets in uh, Manchester. And, uh, you know, I was with a DV in Manchester and uh, we were arguing about rental evidence. And you got like the Watford Town Hall case and stuff like that. It's like contractors test versus uh, offices. And I said, uh, big argument going on in there. I said, uh, and they put it on the contractors test. And this place had an RV of 19,200. And I thought, that's a lot of money. That's for the toilet. You know what I mean? For a toilet. And it's, it's now a restaurant, would you believe? You know, but I said, let's put a uh, toilet board on it. And uh, no one got the job. <laughs> You can imagine what it's like when they're all very, everyone's very serious. So let's put a little eye in the middle of the toilet, you know. It's a, anyhow, uh, That's the thing. It's sort of fascinating when I hear people talk about their careers sort of back in the day because... I haven't started the, yet, Marion. I've only... I've only I know. That's why I thought I'd interrupt because what yeah. I should have done uh, is a warning at the, at the start to say that Michael Holden can talk. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, you mentioned... I'll tell you about and Sutherland soon, Yeah. <laughs> Well, let me, just, let me just point it out and say something. Because yeah. what I find fascinating is actually all the role models that you've had. You know, you've mentioned names and people who've had a real influence influence yeah, on you probably. early on in your yeah. career. Do you think we have that in the same way now? It's a difficult call, isn't it? I think it's very individual, that, Marion. I mean, I point the question back at you and say, have you had a... You know what I mean? It's, it's a difficult one. I, I know I can say that, you know, I've had um, some very good bosses. I've had some very 
poor bosses as well. You know, na- you know, actually people are actually quite nasty. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like you know, like the cats of the wood for the trees type people. That that would take me nicely up to KFS and Sutherland Enterprise if you want me to talk to you about that. But you know, it's well, uh, well, well. Let me just answer your question then. I I think actually it's about the relationships that you build, and and as you're on your way up or just developing through your career, yeah, it's making sure that you make time to get to know some of these people that you work with. And the office environments are different now you know, compared to what it used to be with our virtual environments and, and the way that a lot of people work by themselves, yeah. whether they work for a corporate or not. But it's really important to build those relationships. But I also think it's really important that we say thank you. You know, we don't say thank you enough to people that mentor us or actually those youngsters, if you like, that we learn from as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. you. Know, and that, go, that goes an absolutely, uh, absolutely yeah. long way. Tell yeah. me about the next phase of your career then, because I can All tell right. you itching to tell me. Yeah, uh, well, you know, um, this is uh, when uh, number three was on the web. Uh, a number of uh, quite a, a large number of uh, children. They're all they're all ours as well. They often get asked that, you know. But the third one was on the way, and um, it was. Uh, and my wife was nine months at the time, and uh, so I'd you know, idiot had seen an advert in the uh, States Gazette for a job in Thurso. And uh, I just mentioned this in passing because I knew I'd probably get uh, the thick ear if I uh, if, if she really found out where it was. You know, she said to me after that she was like full of hormones and she wasn't really interested, and she thought it was in Yorkshire. But of course, there's always uh, the furthest north town in the UK. You know, it's uh, it's actually uh, near John O'Groats. So um, I went up for an interview there, and I remember sitting in the interview room, and it was like in an old atomic energy uh, building. And I remember a ship, big container ship, going out to Scrapster Harbour, you know. So uh, I got the job anyhow. So what was uh, it that appealed to you about being that far north? I, I like having a. It was a challenge. I wanted to have a. It was project management, Marion. It was property management and project management, and you know, like in my career there, you know. Uh, I did 200 projects up there of all, you know, shapes and sizes. And yeah, so up in the, in, in Thurso, interview, container ship going past there. And then 200 projects, environmental renewal and project management commissions there of all shapes and sizes. 100 and odd craft workshop units up and down Cape Ness and Sutherland. Um, uh, quite a fantastic uh, place to live. Very remote place as well marion as, as you come in i'm just saying it's a fantastic place to live and um when i got up there i went to a bungalow it was a local authority bungalow but they're not like you could picture a local authority bungalow you could see 30 miles out the bike window and you can watch the aircraft coming because they used to use our bungalow as a target so the afterburners coming in they used to come racing along you know because we were slightly proud of the peat bog and uh, you know they would actually use as the RAF, and uh, just a just an incredible place. And I got there, and I thought, oh my god, I've really been cocked up here. I'm going to get in trouble now. And uh, you know, I went to this bungalow, and I thought, heck, you know, if if I can't, if there's no telly, if it doesn't telly doesn't work, I'm going back home. And I flicked it on; it was Liverpool versus Man United. Perfect. So I thought we were it was a right. sign. It was a sign. <laughs> it was a sign. It was a sign. Absolutely. So 200 projects up there, uh, Prince Charles met him, Lord King, you know, all sort of people. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong, you know, I just only met him, you know, to shake hands and, you know, that type of thing. And uh, But some of the projects I got involved in, like dynamiting part of a cliff at uh, Lock Inver, 
because uh, uh, the local football team had an advantage. They had like an eight centre forward. It was absolutely crap at anything else, but he could head the ball. So, uh, like, if they were losing on a, uh, you know, an important cup match, they'd just put him on as a sub, and then they'd just, you know, because uh, it was short, and, you know, from the corner, they'd flick it up and he nodded it. So there's all sorts of complaints about, you know, this, uh, this team at Lock Inver. So we, we had to dynamite the uh, side of the cliff, you know, where the football pitch was there. So I'd never heard of shiitake mushrooms. I hadn't a clue. You know, it's like mushrooms go to the supermarket, you know, uh, and the white things. Uh, but I uh, got involved in growing those. Some amazing projects, some big ones and some small ones. Uh, Viking burial grounds, Pictish cairns. There's a little stone edge up there. Um, I got involved in the uh, mountain rescue team. I was their casualty. They used to abandon me and then go to the pub and then uh, try and find me. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck up a mountain somewhere and stuff like that. And but all the, out of all the projects, uh, I went to an interview in East Anglia when uh, this is more recent, maybe in the last fifteen years or so, as a director of uh, estates and facilities for NFE College, and it was all very uptight. I have to be candid with you, and uh, you know, uh, they asked me. They said, uh, you know, which is the most important project you've ever been involved in? At that time, I'd lost it, so I said it must have been the ninety-six quid one. You know, I did, and uh, you could have heard a pin drop. But it was, it was Loch Horrible, and if you Google it, Loch Horrible, it's where HMS Hood was moored. And, um, you know, all I, all I did, Marion, with the greatest respect, was authorise a 96-quid spend on behalf of the, the local enterprise company. There weren't any jobs created or retained. It's for the school children of Durness County Primary. And uh, it was uh, Councillor Francis Keith who, uh, you know, got involved in it from Highland Regional Council. Literally 96 quid. Uh, but you know something, it was in 92 or 3 I got that. Now, Mrs. Thatcher was out for power then. It was, I think it was Major who was in uh, at that time. She wrote to me and she said, thank you for being innovative. And I've still got a letter from uh, Margaret Thatcher. You know, I don't know how she found out about it, but she sent me a letter. But it was a £96 project. But that meant more to me than anything because it meant about sacrifice, about the community, kids bringing kids along, about them understanding about history and you know, all that type of thing. And I think they were wanting to hear about the, I don't know, the you know £12 million project here or whatever it would be. It's about people, place, and prosperity. Prosperity is not just about money. And, that you know, coming back down from there, I was laid off because, uh, uh, you know, um, they'd asked me to investigate fraud on something, and I did, and I found that there was so, and the person, I think, behind it wasn't very happy about that, so eventually I had to leave. And uh, I'd offered to set my own business up there and stuff like that, and, of course, they couldn't find the wherewithal to allow me to stay there with a the family and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm quite pragmatic. I just thought, sorry, I'm just going to go back down the road. So I went back down the road. I had a temporary job with Blackburn with our own, some nice guys there, fair play to them. A small private practice called Mortimer's, the original Mortimer's, not the Ryden and Dutton uh, one that there is now. And then I got a job in um, Salford College as uh, Director of Estates and Facilities, 124 staff uh, working for me and stuff like that. I had no idea about catering. I'm not pulling your leg. I had no idea at all. Uh, but I turned it from a £90,000 loss to a uh, profit in the first year. And all I did was I gave the uh, the people in charge, uh, you know, the, the catering manageresses there, I just gave them a faith in them. And they never had that. They, they, were, they were so downtrodden. And it just made me realise, you know, if you're nice with other people and you're decent with other people, you generally get that. But don't get me wrong, Marin, you, you're like that. There are psychopaths. <laughs> it's not what you can do about <laughs> quite interesting, I suspect, to say. 
But, you know, there's not a lot you can do about people who've just got it in for your war. They just want it for all for themselves. But you're right. But generally, when you give people time and show a bit of kindness, yeah. and actually, yeah. when it comes to managing people, to empower them to do the job, mm-hmm. you know, sort of outsourcing rather than delegating and giving people responsibility and yeah. feeling some worth. Yeah. You know, you've talked about the jobs that have made a difference for you. and And they'll be thinking the same. And even if it's... You know, pushing piece of paper from one side of the table to the other, it still means something to somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's why we, why we come to work. It's not just about the paycheck for, for a lot of no, people. No. Well, you know, a new boss came along and said, I can do your job better than you. So I said, all right, then get on with it, son. And, uh, you know, I left and uh, I thought I'd join the opposition, uh, became a teacher. I was made a director of a surveying practice at that time. We're talking about 15 years ago now when this uh, happened. And, uh, oh, what a fantastic time it was, the teaching. Brilliant. I remember Alan Cornthwaite, who's uh, another fantastic boss at the University of Bolton. Alan's retired now. He likes his 750 Hondas, his early Jap bikes and stuff like that. But uh, I remember, you know, if he ever watches this, he'll uh, he'll probably, uh, you know, remember, because he's a QS, he's Al as well, and, the, you know, the quite straight to QSs. You know, but uh, so I've gone to Finland. Uh, I hate flying. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have to drug me, you know, to put me on a plane and stuff like that. And uh, someone had been ill and couldn't make it. So I said, well, I'll go, you know, I'll go to Finland, you know. Anyhow, I flew out to uh, Helsinki and then to Turku. And that, that's a completely, because I got arrested at the airport at Helsinki because I lost my back. Like Mr. Bean, a bit like Mr. Bean uh, and Mr. Blobby mixed up running around in an airport, kept a plane waiting and it's full you of... you lost birth. your passport. Oh, no, I I drunk, I think, about three and a half litres of water on the way over there. <laughs> I've just an airplane, you know, with this guy's sweating. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I put a... Because uh, it, it, was, it was cold over there, I'd actually been to Winfield's, which is a local store up here, and I bought a pair of thermal uh, undergarments, and uh, I put in a claim for that, and Al was busy at the time, and he signed it through. But that was picked... This is about bureaucracy, this. That was picked up by someone at the uh, university, you know, someone in finance said, well... This guy's put a claim in for parathermal <laughs> Al calls me and I'll come back and come in, come into my bloody office. You know, you're in trouble now. I've had to, I've signed off for these 14 pound thermal underpants. So I said, I'm not having this. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, going to put it, I'm going to join the union. And we're going to, you know, that's what became vice chair of the trade union now. And uh, so I put it in the union and Al just said, I've had enough of this guy. Just go. But he's still a dear friend of mine, and I'm sure they have a good laugh at me at the, uh, you know, the uh, curry clubs and stuff like that, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I got laid off from the University of Bolton. It brings me up to uh, six years ago. Worked with JB and Leach all that time, and I declared that don't it's ethics ethically right to do things like that. And I've got some dear friends at JB and Leach. They're from a estate agents now, but they were chartered surveyors. Lewis Rigby uh, was the uh, senior partner at the time. A guy called uh, Chris Brown, who's very sadly passed away. But, you know, through that time of the teaching, it was brilliant. It was only the last few years of the teaching. And I think that's the problem with uh, higher education now is that we like processing numbers. uh, You know, instead of like talking to the people and bringing the people along, it's all about like how many can we squeeze in. And, you know, then they start talking about retention. I'm thinking, well, you know, is it it something to do with bad tummy retention and stuff like that? It's actually all about keeping them on board. Mm. We keep them on board is to enthuse people and to be decent and kind with them. And I still teach at Salford, University of Salford at the moment, uh, just part-time. But I do like an HPL and uh, is hourly paid lecturer. And uh, I, I haven't claimed for me, I didn't claim for the entire year. 
uh, so of course uh, upset them uh, you know the finance people because apparently you've got to claim every three months or two months whatever it is you know but I really enjoy the teaching side and I've just had a new guy started actually at, at the practice uh, called Richard and he got a first class that uh, was one of uh, my students there he's uh, he got a first and I have a few students who've actually come to join the practice you know as well so I think that's a nice thing is that mm. so six years ago I set up the practice tiny little uh, unit in Accrington Market. So this, this is so this is Michael Holden. Yeah, yeah. Associates, yeah. Is seven it, years it? ago, six and a half years ago, tiny, tiny little unit in Accrington Market on the balcony. Why Accrington Market? Did a building survey there. I just thought it looked nice. It was next to Accrington Observer, and uh, underneath the Ron Hill poster, and. Uh, and then I was joined by Terry Jordan. Terry's passed away, and uh, but Terry was down on his his charts of air was sort of like down on his uh, luck a wee bit, uh, you know. With like, uh, I think he'd done work for corporates and stuff like that, but you know, uh, because he was less mobile then, you know, he, he was obviously looking. I said, just come in, Terry, and there's a desk there, there's coffee and tea. Just get on with it, you know. You're welcome, and we. we from a very good uh, friendship there. Terry was a, a, a reverend as well, so when he used to get mad, with he'd, he'd write his letters, the Reverend Terry <laughs> You know, you get it if he was a reverend in front of it, you know what I mean? But a guy called Mark Ruth, who's with our practice now, the reason why it's called Michael Olden Charts of is I had no idea whatsoever what to call it. I could have called it GoPro or Visa charts of A's or, you know, uh, Furry Mouse that Cat Chases, uh, you know, charts of A's. It didn't really bother me. But I just set it up, but Mark came along and I got Mark through his RICS qualifications and mentored him. And uh, he's an outstanding uh, building surveyor, really good, and a dear friend. He built a church, you know, part of a group of people built a church, and it's like a £6 million church, stuff like that. I mean, he's, that's a real dedication, and I've, I have so much time for him. In the practice, and then, uh, oh, we had, low, we had quite a few people come along. John Trenner, who joined the practice. Uh, John's uh, retired out of the uh, practice now. Uh, but Barry Butler, <laughs> Barry's nearly 70, but you could climb Mount Everest. He's like as fit as a fiddle he is. He uh, runs our, ostensibly runs a Kendall office. Uh, we've got little John who turned up. He just knocked on the door in Great Harwood, came and said, give us uh, give us a job. And uh, said, well, yeah, we'll take you on. He was a young lad, uh, uh, 18 years old. Uh, he's gone and got his uh, graduate, his master's, he's got his associate ricks and he's doing his M ricks. What an outstanding young fella. He's in a field at the moment having a camping thing and it's, it's belting it down. <laughs> he floods that area as well. It's in the Yorkshire Bells where he is. I've got three sons who work in the practice. Eddie, um, you know, who's like a valuer, uh, more, he's more of a QSE type of character. And then I've got Joe, who's uh, a bit like me. You know, uh, uh, he's a flipping, uh, not like me, he's a flipping good building surveyor as Joe. And then we've got uh, Billy, who was born in Wick and uh, played rugby league for the under-19s at, uh, at Scotland. It was fantastic to watch him there. And then I've got uh, my wife, Lizzie, as well, who is our practice manager. There's 13 of us, Marion. And that brings all sorts of, I mean, it brings all sorts of responsibilities like VAT returns, PAYE. You know, we've got to have a policy for this and a policy for that. But we still retain that family practice. And the, the core, if you if you were to say, well, what's the core thing that uh, you can say is the feature of your practice if you're in the practice? Well, it's trust and respect and it's professionalism. And uh, it's having a having a good time as well, you know. And I don't mean getting you know being silly or anything like that. It's uh, it's like I always get the food. It's like uh, the practice my motto is never knowingly underfed, you know, in the practice and stuff. <laughs> well, it is, it is, you know. It's, and it's uh, interesting. Did did you ever think 
you know, when you started the practice, you'd have that many people working for you. No. And did you intend to, to grow it? No, no. It, I just grew with it. I'm sort of like, if you wanted to say, it's, I have an MBA. You know, don't get, I got it from Reading, you know, so it's like I mean, put the effort in to get it. And, uh, and as you know, I'm doing my PhD at the moment. That's, uh, you know, so, um, no, I think it's chaos. See, uh, no, it was, no, it wasn't chaos. It's not chaotic. It's proper planned growth, uh, but uh, being fleet-footed, being able to change. Uh, direction look for new ventures it's like we've taken on a management uh, commission with a uh, wonderful client uh, and as chart building surveyor represents that client uh, uh, michael uh, it's blackburn diocese so we uh, we manage i think it's about 38 vicarages you know and uh, you know uh, and we've got then what spins off from that is uh, estate agency so i'm a fellow of the national association of estate agents and so is a dear friend and colleague of mine luke haslam he's got his own uh, practice but is joining the, the practice we're we collaborate he's based in um laban so we we, we do and his wife kirsty does all the property management uh, with lizzie and with mm. eddie and with sam you know in the practice there so. so that's quite sort of multidisciplinary lots yeah, it of is. different it and is, that's Mary. allowed you to that's allowed you to grow and diversify and i guess yeah. give you some flexibility when the market changes yeah i mean how yeah. have you how have you found it with your business over the whole covid and lockdown it it, it hits a brick wall, Marion. Just just keep keep us on the time, will you, Marion, as well? But it hits a brick wall, and I then volunteered for the Red Cross. I just you know looked after my dad, you know, and <laughs> riding me. Oh, I've got a yellow BMW now. They call him Boris, a big yellow thing, and uh, you know. But uh, but it was it, it was funny. It was COVID because I remember because to commute from where we are over to my dad's place. You know, I'm going through the Western Dales into South Lakes. And there's a lot of hostility built up, you know. It was a bit strange. So I had to have a big sign put on my back saying carer, because I genuinely am. And I remember driving through uh, back home and there's people clapping. Mm. Thinking, it's embarrassing, is this? I just got on with it, Marion. And you've just got to get on with it sometimes. You know, it's... Uh, I remember the last job I did for a client who's based in Scotland and I uh, did a video building survey for them. Um, you know, it's like I'm into the, the new technology and stuff like that. And uh, they said it was brilliant the way, you know, I could, you know, that I could present it to them. You know, I could, like, you know, it's like it's not like you know David Attenborough. It's like, well, that that's a you know a bit of a settlement crack there, but there's no big issues within. There's a tiny spot of dampness, but there's you know, but it's related to this and all that sort of thing. But that was a lot. That's when Boris was doing the eight o'clock, um, you know, uh, TV thing. And I remember going to a garden centre which did bacon sandwiches, and I, I sat down with a lady there, and uh, I said, "What's going to happen?" And it was just surreal. It was a bit like a nuclear uh, exchange had happened. It was really weird. And I just thought to myself, I thought, well, look, you know, I've been there before. I've been laid off a few times in my career. If it goes horribly wrong, I'll just, you know, I'll pop like a cork, pop up somewhere else, do something else. And uh, so I volunteered. and, um, and I, But I took the time to revamp the practice again to strengthen our terms and conditions because that's a big thing for small businesses now for our small surveying practices we're getting hammered for uh, for claims that the level twos are seen as a guarantee for some reason there's a perception by uh, our clients that they are a guarantee and um you know so i've strengthened all the terms and conditions i've uh, I've, you know like japanese knotweed claims for instance you know and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and dampness claims and we had six attempts at us in six years and i take everyone very very personally not one of them has been they've all been vexatious marion it's flipping off but when i speak to other surveyors it's like other surveyors have got scores of them you know and uh, we've got to do something about that you know in terms of um uh, protecting uh, i mean it's protecting the client but protecting ourselves 
poor old Richard Large, for goodness sake. 87,000 quid out your back pocket, you know, for a 600 so, quid job. You know? Yeah, so, for the, so, so there's a couple of things there. One, I think, just the resilience that you've built over your career that's allowed you to adapt your business yeah, you know, as and when. I can't things, say a lot about that, Mary, but I think you and I know behind the scenes. I, I can't tell you about that, and I'm not going to. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I've it, got, I've got, you know, upstairs. Be, you know, uh, yeah. you know. That's the one thing that you know. Uh, you know, standing on a bridge, or standing on the top of Darwin Tower, and thinking, well, here we go. You can do it if you want. Just thinking, well, on the way down, you'll be thinking about all the boys, you know, all the family and uh, and your friends, you know, you, you know, as a friend, you'd flash, you know, you'd, and you'd think about why, and it's pointless. And I, 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 I've got a, I've got this like pinball inside of me and you can't get any more out of me. Once that is, I've become a bit of a back on the rugby park, a, a bit brass necked uh, with people and stuff like that. Um, but I guess it's, um, you know, you have this sort of, you build resilience with your career as you and your life as you move through things and you you adapt and grow your business and you're right you just get to a point where it just becomes all too much but that's where you've got to have your networks of support you've mentioned lots of people that you've worked with and uh, and brought and brought in i've been to lionheart as you know you know lionheart is a fantastic resource for, like for surveyors you know I've, I've trained yeah. for them i often recommend them on this podcast and, and actually when i left my corporate job when i was struggling a bit thinking am i a surveyor anymore what I know. do I do I know. you know I, I I went to see them but you're right it's really stressful running a, a small business and all of those pressures but at the same time you know I come back to those jobs that make a difference and uh, allowing yourself yeah. to be a values driven business yeah there's no better feeling there no. really isn't is there no I mean I did a, an equestrian property yesterday and uh you know uh Mark who's my client uh you know, he's quite well known, horse whispering and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, but I have a proper chat with him and proper level with him. And I get so many clients who, you know, I don't ask for it to be patted on the back. I just see it as a job to be done. And, Mary, there's nothing better than going with, say, Mark Ruth, a colleague of mine, up to Dent or across to Dent, depends on where I, uh, and then doing a small cottage and then having a pint in the, uh, the you know, the, the pub in the high street there, you know, there's nothing better than, you know, after the job's finished, of course, you know, it's very James area to, it really is, you know, it's, uh, and so I like, it sounds- it's on as well as this week, isn't it? I'm looking forward to that, the new uh, series, so uh, Channel 5. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it, it sounds very idyllic and, you know, that's what you actually bring to your social media with your horse. Yeah. Tell me about Harry the horse. Harry, well, he's an ex-race uh, horse. He was crap at uh, racing. <laughs> I've got videos of him running in the wrong direction and going through barriers and things like that, you know. It's, uh, but uh, I bought him from an army nurse, and uh, I think the uh, she was being reposted, but they drugged him, you know, because obviously uh, people call me silly. You've got to be... Well, most people who ride horses are very talented. And I'm not one of those. I'm thick. And, uh, you know, so like, uh, you know, if you come off at full gallop, it does hurt. And you think, well, like, you know, I've, I've had my uh, jaw broken playing rugby and fingers broken. And, but that doesn't, the pain pales into insignificance when you come <laughs> off at full gallop and land on your backside. You know, and there's people videoing you, you know, and obviously mm. enjoying it, you know. So uh, I got him because, well, I wanted to mentor him because he's got a degree now. He's uh, he's doing another degree in French. Uh, you know, he's uh, he did one in basket it, waving before. This is so. your horse you're talking about now. This is the horse, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a star in his own right. But uh, but you, yeah. you, you often post pictures of riding Harry when you're off doing your surveys or taking time out, don't you? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, like uh, last Saturday, I was trying new boots on him. He wears walking boots now, and uh, they're blooming good. You know, and that, someone's just unprompted give me a big load of foam, which you put inside of these things as well. So, uh, but he loves it now. There's nothing better though, Mark. I think that's probably why. Why did they go to Scotland? You know, middle of nowhere. Why do I like riding a horse in the middle of nowhere? I certainly would be no good at uh, dressage. <laughs> really, wouldn't be any good. <laughs> come last every time, you know. But literally, just box him up, you know, egg egg butters in a flask, and off we go, and, uh, you know, go and park up and let him off. You know, again, people say, you're mad. Just let him off, and he'll just graze next to his walk like a dog, follow me like a, you know, a well-trained dog, is a well-trained horses. And uh, it just allows you that time to take a breath and have a breather and enjoy yourself. And um, it doesn't matter whether it's snowing or raining or, you know, nice weather or whatever, you know, it's uh, it's just nice. So, yeah, that's why I've got Harry. But the, the, there was another reason when I got the first horse and I was just presented with it. So, you know, at the age of 47, you said, you know, are you going to ride a horse? I said, get lost. <laughs> it's rugby, you know, and all that type of thing. You know, it's, even then I, I stopped playing at 51 and was sent off a fight in up at Burnley Rugby Club. And uh, they, they still throw pies at me when I go up there. And they, But they're some very, very good friends there. But, yeah, you know, taught myself to ride. Got on with it, you know. It's uh, and uh, Spud, uh, who's 21 now, is six foot odd. He was a little ankle biter, and he said, I'll help you as well. I've got some fantastic photographs. What a horse rider he is! And he can ride a horse. I just like sitting on him, and you know, we just talk about you know, surveys, and he tells me all about you know, what the how to cure dry rot and deal with Japanese knotweed and stuff. <laughs> Honestly, it's really hard to work out what's truthful and what's not with you. You're such a joker. <laughs> no, 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 it's true, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true, you know. So, um, and I do talk to him, we sing together. He likes Jethro Tull, um, he's, he's very keen on a Thick as a Brick album, you know. For me, uh, you know, I sort of vary because I play the guitar a lot, I used to play in uh, bands and stuff like that. And I, the, I could have told you about, you know, uh, some uh, playing on a uh, blue circuit in the north of Scotland, uh, done at Headlight House, and you can Google it if you want. Uh, hey, listen, John have you have you thought about writing your memoirs? Not yet, no. I might do, yeah. I think I probably would, but it's, it's, it's for me. It's, it's, you know, is that arrogant to do that, or is it just something to? Is, is it something you do when you retire? Maybe you know that type of thing. So I don't know. I remember listening to uh, an interview with uh, Joan Rivers, that crazy American. Yeah, lady. I do remember. Yeah, and, and she was quite passionate about um, old people not getting old, not as in you know get on your facelifts done but more about just don't settle into the end of your life you're not dead yet and she talked about um how and she was recommending you know going around your house and all the you know all the sort of knickknacks and bits of furniture and and things that you've bought and memories or stones you've got off a beach somewhere and just making a note of where you got them from and why they meant so much to you and she said your kids won't be interested but be grandchildren really would yeah because there's yeah. that more of that more of that gap but, and I think it's but, you know it's important to show you know how and why you became a surveyor and the things that helped shape your career and it's yeah. those those stories well, to pass on I mean I have two grandchildren I've got Harrison and Henry and Henry's uh, still like at the googly stage he's only six months old uh, but Harrison's come along and he wants me to teach him to play the guitar you know so uh, you're a man yeah. of many talents Mike no, not at all. I, th- I think I think in life you just get on with it and just enjoy it. And you know, it's how it is. It's it's how it is. You know, and you've just got to enjoy your life. And you've got to be kindness. If you if you're kind, 
you know, don't be throwing nasty Jack Marion. You and I know there aren't some nasty people out there. But you know, the best thing is to just have a laugh and not to and, and not to be even be nasty with them. I have one this morning on Twitter, if you look at my Twitter and uh, you know, about claims, you know, not weak. So I am you know, I'm doing that research mm. degree and I, I don't believe well, that's, that's, that I was gonna ask you about the research that you do because you you I've get done two years of it now, Marion. So I've got a fair yeah. bit of uh, stuff uh, there lined up. You know, no, it was a bit tongue in cheek about bringing goats in the men who stare at goats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, flipping goats. Uh, but, you know, the, it, 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 it's uh, my perspective is from the May um, 2019 House of Commons Science Committee investigation uh, that looked at whether we're overreacting to the Japanese nutweed as an invasive plant and whether it actually does cause structural damage. And the answer is actually on balance it's no. You know, it's no more damaging than the creeper plant that my next door neighbour's got, where there's loads of birds flying in and out. I can see them now. And, you know, it's uh, so I'm looking at it there. And uh, I know we've got the 2012 guidance, you know, on the knotweed and the seven metre rule and all that type of thing. But it's it does it needs to be re- reviewed because there's ambulance chasing firms out there, solicitors using Japanese knotweed specialists as their experts who are hammering surveys. And I've I've been given probably. 12 examples of PI claims against surveyors. I can't uh, disclose them because I've been asked not to, but I'm looking at, um, my aim is to look at 250 sites of uh, uh, properties, terraced housing, semis, detached. I'm going to look at whether there is damage from a, uh, from a surveyor's perspective because the next thing is going to be bamboo. You know, it's going mm. to be invasive bamboo. And it's like, where do we stop? You know, do mm. we stop? Uh, is it Budleir bamboo, rhododendron, New Zealand pygmy weed? You know, you name it. You know, it's... Uh yeah, I mean, my, you know, for those that listening that don't know, my background is in defect and, and valuation claims and yes, it is, complaints. Marie. And there's, I guess there's a couple of things there. There's the rules that we follow and the standards. And they constantly evolve because what we know now about the likes of Japanese knotweed and construction is different to what it was five, ten years ago. And we've got to make sure that we keep on moving and we're evolving. And and we mm. do the research and, 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 you know, now we it's constantly, now we know we do better. The other part of it is, and the bit that I, I absolutely hate, is when we talk about surveyors getting it wrong and surveyor failure. Yeah, negligent. Got to be perfect every time. Superman turning up. Because nobody comes to work to do a bad job, not unless you've got real issues. So if you take those people to one side. But it's, you know, it's a case of, you know, you go to do a job and to do that, you need the technical knowledge and the training. And provided you've had that, you then need the confidence and the wisdom to know what to do in the moment. You yeah. know, when you stood outside that property, when you see something, to pull it all together and to make those decisions. Yeah. And that comes back to empowering people to do their job, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, and very often for a lot of people, they're driven to fill out forms the way that they're supposed to. If they get something wrong, they get a PVQ, post-valuation query in the PMI. Yeah, it's a tick box exercise, you're right. And it's rewarding the the wrong behaviour. And one of the things I've looked into over the years is, you know, is why is, is failure? Why do we make mistakes? And yeah. often people are set up to fail, you know, by the systems, you. by the rules that we have. Yeah. You know, and again, that's not always done intentionally. But really, we've got to to take a look. And when I see complaints and claims, and and you mentioned the you know the the Richard Large case, the Hartley Large case, which, as we record this now in August, is still ongoing. There's yes, in that appeal, yeah, um, in uh, in December. That's right. And that's right. the biggest defect court case that we've had in a a long, long time. 
Yeah. But equally, you know, when you look at things like that, you know, there was a surveyor who was doing a job, what was it, 2011? Yeah. You know, sort of back then. Brand, you know, new conversion, all that type and of thing. And putting yourself back in that situation, back in those shoes yeah. at that Chris time. Chris made a very good talk about events. it. Right? Chris, Rispin. Chris uh, you caught, it was yeah. really good. Thank him for that. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Chris and Carrie De Silva yeah. wrote an article. You can find Absolutely. that um, on our blog. We'll put a note. You do. It's really good that. I've read in, that. In yeah. the notes. And it'll yeah. be interesting to see what, what comes out of it. But what we're already seeing what's come out of it is actually surveyors are scared mm. and they're nervous and they're worried about their PI, which they were worried about before. And yeah. now they're knowing what Well, mine's due. Know, mine's due. I'm getting the quotes back today. And do you know something? I had a claim against me for uh, for not weed, and I had 351 photographs of the property, 92 for the garden area, and also very detailed inspection notes. And it's concealment. There's no question about it. And uh, my mum and dad live a mile and a half from where that place is. But guess what? It was thrown at me had I advised the client whether we should have a level two or a level three. And I've got a file note to prove it. You know, maybe, you know, this is before Heartbeat Live became a, a big mm. issue. But it is, you know, it's it's that's been thrown at me latter, latterly, you know, uh, you know, was, uh, and we've just fired them off. So go away. We'll see in court if you want. I'd love it to go to court because I'd really like to, you know, because I'm quite forensic when I get into it, because I'd really like to have a go at their expert because their experts, you know, making huge assumptions and they've got absolutely mm. no local knowledge whatsoever. You know, so it's, it's really it's um it's a tricky one, though, that the advice, should I have a level two report or do I need a level three and customers? often come with a well I want I the best so I want so I want a level three. You know, but sometimes it might suit the surveyor to do a level two or it might just be to their experience. And my my, ex- my experience is that is often where it falls down. You know, is making sure they've actually got the right product and the right service. Yeah, that, that should be the and drive. That, yeah, and but that can be changed at any point, even when you're on site and you yeah, get when there. Yeah, when go to level three from level two, absolutely. Yeah. And We've so just that. because yeah, and just because you've got those rules and you've agreed these things, it yeah, can all change that. until the last moment, can't yeah, it? we've done that, absolutely. I think the key thing about that, though, was to, to have, you know, people are listening to this, is your terms and conditions, just make sure they're tight. Say you're not going to do, for the sake of argument, the Japanese, because it's some doing research degree, say you're not going to do an invasive species assessment. You, you'll have a look around the grounds, but you're not going to go and take uh, make a Mac uh, around there, you know, sniffer dogs and uh, that type of thing, you know, because it can grow from the size of a thumbnail, you know, into, mm. uh, into a, uh, or it can be dropped by a bird. I've heard that one before in a claim, or brought in by a fox. That was another one. So in your terms, you've got something that says we won't do... Yeah, invasive species I'll send them check. And mm. have a look at that, it. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really interesting. Yeah, I think that's. Um... Yeah, it's a bit like radon. You do a radon check. Went to a property which is probably about four hundred and fifty yards from that other uh, from that one we were talking about, and this is a two million pound property uh, looking at. And you know, my client uh, was a surgeon, and uh, asked me, could I go and take a radon meter with me? And we have got them. They've got radon meters. But if you go and do the radon map thing on it, it just says that it's in a low-risk area. It was 614 becquerels a cubic metre, which is huge. The action point's 200 uh, becquerels a cubic metre. I couldn't believe it. And the only thing I could think of, having local knowledge, is that there was a, there's a fault there and there was a, a wee earthquake, but it was in a lower ground area in a gymnasium. You can imagine, you know, doing your velo, what a velodrome, you know, mm. whatever it is, your thing on your push-by thing. You know, in, in that basement area, and you're, you're taking a lot of air in. With a high level of radon there, then you're increasing the risk, your health risks and stuff like that. 
we've really pushed the boat out when it comes to level three work and we, we're known for that uh, so we uh, got drone flyers i don't fly them because i uh, crashed mine into a taxi and that's completely different <laughs> And I, I hid it in a rhododendron bush, and the taxi driver drove off with it, then came back, threw it out the window, got out the car and stamped on it. But it wasn't mine. It was a colleague's uh, drone. This was a few years ago, I would say this. Yeah. Uh, but we, we, we fly drones, and we use the GoPro cams, stuff like that. We have Joe, my son, up at a big place up in uh, overlooking the Windermere, and, uh, you know, for clients, and we are doing a big uh, – we had a proper drone there, you know, professional drone pilots, and I was in the roof space, and I had this – and it's effing and blinding outside and, uh, uh, you know, raucous laughter. And I thought, I'm not having this. Not having my surveyors, you know, graduates on site swearing like that, you know. It's a, so I get down my uh, eight-metre ladder. It wasn't three-metre ladder. Sorry, it should have been a three-metre ladder. Got down the long ladder, went outside and said, what's been going on here? I said, well, Joe was walking along with the pole and fell down an open <laughs> Straight down there. You know, so like, you know, would he be claimed against? Well, he's my son, so it's his own bloody hard luck. You know what I mean? It's... Uh, but yeah, we, we, we're really into infrared uh, cameras and, you know, uh, I like the video surveys. I love it. Even the mobile phone, you know, going around and just saying, you know, well, th- this area here, you know, it's just a wee bit uh, suspect. The detailing's not so good there. By gum, when a client sees that, they don't off. I think that that's a good thing. Yeah. One of the things I, um, I talk about on my mastermind we talk about sort of social media and sort of bringing things to life. And I talk about juicy pineapples. When you have a picture of a pineapple, it's just a picture of a pineapple. But when you cut into it and you can see the juice, it becomes more inviting, more engaging. And it's all about bringing things to life. And, you know, that's exactly the same for our surveys. You know, a lot of um, customers and lay people out there, they're the most boring document in the world. And you may have spent three days writing it up and two days inspecting the property, but it is boring to somebody else. There'll be some interesting bits in there. And it's our job, I think, to... Not sell just it. write it in plain English, but to yeah. yeah, to sell it, but but also just to bring it to life, and that's where technology yep. can make a difference to yeah. making sure you've got pictures in your report that particularly that are relevant. Yeah. You know, using the thermal image, having little snippets of a video, and it can yeah. be so easily done. You know, we talk about you know small businesses not being engaged with technology, but actually they're best placed to learn how yeah, to do are. some of do Absolutely, some of these things. Marion. You know. Yeah. And that can we make a real difference for a lot. Yeah, it can make a real difference. We've got a lot of graduates customers. in the practice. We have a lot of graduates in the practice who are into that. You know, I, I don't fly the drone because I'm dangerous. I've got, I should let me send you that. that uh, I could. I'll, I'll clip it because uh, it was our Billy who did a, a flew a drone yesterday at uh, this place, and uh, you know it's the middle of nowhere, and Billy's qualified. You know, just in case we get the drone police, you know, and all that sort of thing. Uh, he was attacked by a cat. <laughs> yeah, you could see it stalking the drone. Said to lift it up quickly, or cat diving on it and stuff like that. You know, it's uh, and that's but the detail you get uh, from them. You know, when you fly them along a ridge line and you look up down the chimney pot, and you know, you look at the river that's got, coming along there. You can see all the geography of the land and how it lies and where the streams. Are a lot of the argument has been though for not using so much technology that can can give you too much detail. And there comes it comes back to you know what does a, yeah. an average reasonable is it an average reasonable surveyor doing yeah, that we're, job? We're what what would they the, see? You know, we're putting out the, we're, we're, this time, cost, and quality, mm. and time doesn't feature. 
the time is relevant, but it in terms of returning the report to a client, but the cost uh, and the quality, we, uh, I mean, we're not actually expensive, but I'd like to hopefully get to a point where we're reassuringly expensive. But we we take two people to site, two surveyors to site for a building survey. There's two. And we did that primarily wanted in the GoPro cam originally. And uh, But two sets of eyes looking at the property. We set aside a whole day in the diary. And I don't care what uh, people think about it. I don't care because that's what I want to do in my practice. Mm-hmm. I want to excel and my clients like it. You know, so in, in, we'll spend the whole day at the property getting to grips with it, um, noise, smells, issues, uh, you know, looking at roof problems and you know, trying to analyse it through and trying to provide a really detailed response, closing as many of the loops as we can for our clients. Because doing a survey for you, Marion, I guarantee you would, we would, uh, we will not be perfect, but we blooming work hard for you. And that's what our mm. clients want. They want us to work hard. And I think that's a, an important lesson for a lot of SMEs out there is to price for the, for the work and the service that you give not yeah. necessarily price per hour. Now you do need to know what your hourly rate is, you know. And a lot of yeah, surveyors don't. A lot of surveyors yeah. don't do that. They don't include their travel time and costs and, and yeah. those kind of we, things. But knowing your your value and what you're, you're what you're bringing to it and pricing for that job, and actually not worry about comparisonitis. No, you know, but, you know just keep on adding value to the job that we, you're doing for your customer. I mean, I asked for feedback from whether we're lucky or unlucky to get a job, and we're privileged to get a job from a client when they put mm. their faith in us. But uh, it, I've lost count of the, the number of times, Marion, with respect, that we are not the cheapest. We're probably towards the top end of being expensive. There's some, uh, there's some that may be caught because they don't want it and they're ridiculously expensive. But on average, we're over £1,000 for building survey. Uh, we're not at 350 quid because uh, I won. I, I just did it. I don't know why. A, a couple of weeks ago, price comparison. And I've been, you know, pestered by the website. I'm not interested in doing all that. Some of it might be good, but I wanted to do it on quality. I don't want, uh, and I keep getting, you probably get them as well, get these emails that come through uh, that we can improve your social media stance or we can do this for you and do that. I'd rather just do, I'm a bit of maverick that way, rather go my own way, a, a wee bit on it. And if I get it wrong, then it's down to me. You know what I mean? It's... Um, but I think investing sensibly in technology is the right thing. And I'm, I'm investing in things that actually improve the product for me. That I, yeah. You know, how dare I say that? Well, I've been qualified 30 years, so perhaps I've got a bit of experience to be able to back that <laughs> up. You know what I mean? It's, uh... Oh, Michael, it's been really good to talk to you today. And just to finish, what I'd also like to say is a real thank you because you're quite an inspiration to me. You yeah. helped Don't me nominate... Off. Oh no 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 no! Come on, you you nominate, help me nominate, get nominated for um, my fellowship, um, for getting on governing council. And you know, when I do my memoirs, when I'm an old lady, I'll be talking about that crazy Michael Holden (laughs) and all his crazy stories. I'll be in the wicker baskets upstairs. You know, it's like, (laughs) did I ever send you that? I'm going to send you that thing. You know, with the guy with the thing whizzing around his head. And you know, he's like a, a nutter with a with a beard. You do realise uh, all these things that you mention. I'm going to have to put as links into my <laughs> into the podcast show notes, <laughs> so everyone will get to well, see. It's like something. we have them as a, a, a we, our complaints department. It's going to be Barry because Barry's a grumpy old sod. He's not. He's lovely. <laughs> And we'll put him upstairs in the wiki. You know, he's in the basket waving it. You're going to complain. Or the horse. The horse would be good uh, for the complaints department. Or that guy with the thing that whizzes around his head and walks around. The- <laughs> oh, oh, Michael, it's lovely to talk to you. You take care of yourself. And um, I hope we get to see each other again soon. Yeah, we will. Life yeah. allows. Yeah, absolutely. Bye. Yeah, bye You've been listening to the Surveyor Hub podcast. We'd love it if you leave a review and let us know how we're doing. 
And if you want to find out more about how we're making a difference, visit us at blueboxpartners.com. Thank you.